You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Psalm 18, 28. Hey, all you beautiful people, and welcome back to the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I think I said this as we ended the summer together, but happy fall to you. I hope this finds you very well as you're settling into a new rhythm. This podcast series is in honor and celebration of new music, which I'm so incredibly grateful and honored to be releasing. You'll be the first to get to hear the new songs right here. And of course, I'm going to love getting to share the behind the scenes of the writing and the making of these songs as we go. I'll be releasing a few other songs here in a couple of months, and then the full record is scheduled to drop in just about four months or so. So I'm really looking forward to just sharing the full story of this album and all that God has been teaching me in and through it. But before we dive in, I wanted to let you know about an opportunity for your family to serve with our friends who are actually more like family, Blue Skies Ministries. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know about Blue Skies and what it has meant to our family. And you guys have even been a part of helping to raise money for Blue Skies in the past through this podcast. Blue Skies exists to provide beach retreats, meaning a much-needed vacation for families who have a child in treatment for cancer. About 50 children are diagnosed with cancer every day, and these children and their families need the hope and compassion of Jesus. And that's what's so precious about Blue Skies is that we do get to share and sing about the gospel of Jesus Christ with these families. Blue Skies has a crucial need for volunteers in 2023, and that's where you come in, hopefully. But unlike in years past, they need volunteers signed up by the end of January. This has to do with the cancellation dates being much sooner than in the past. Their goal is to have 150 volunteers locked in before the end of January. Our family will be serving some this summer, and we would love for you to join in. Blue Skies happens because of volunteers like you who give of their time and who raise the funds for your own family to be there. And then in turn, that makes it possible for children with cancer and their family to attend the beach retreat at no cost. Most of the camps will be in Port St. Joe, Florida, where we have served as a family for a really long time. You will have time to rest and have some downtime with your own family in between getting to serve. And I know you'll enjoy getting to worship throughout the week as they provide chapel services and special gatherings throughout your stay. If you cannot attend a Blue Skies Beach Retreat, you can still help us by helping to get the word out about volunteers needed. Maybe you could organize a way to tell your local church about Blue Skies or your women's group, house church, or Bible study. For more information, you can visit blueskiesministries.org, and I hope you'll check it out. Okay, so my goodness, where to start? (laughs) As I think back on the morning that I first started preparing for this podcast, I remember I was pacing around the house trying to get my head and my heart around just that, where to begin. I ended up on the front porch, which is very common for me, and especially because it's fall and I love studying outside as much as I can in this kind of weather. And as I was organizing some folders and notes in my computer, I don't really know how else to describe it, but I just kept sensing in my heart of hearts this awareness of a really deep peace and contentment 
which stood out to me because I kind of have loads going on right now, meaning it's just been a bit of a season. So a deep contentment coming out of nowhere in my heart of hearts definitely felt different. And honestly, it reminded me a lot of that toilet cleaning moment that I tell you about at the beginning of my book, (laughs) like a lot. But as I got still and just kind of sat in this sense of peace for a moment, I began to reminisce and look back, especially on this podcast. And this deep sense of gratitude came over me as I started to realize that I started this podcast six years ago. That blows me away a little that it's been that long ago. I started doing the math and counting up all the episodes, actually. And you know that I script these podcasts And I had the realization that I have written more than a million words for this podcast over the last six years. (laughs) That's more than a dozen books. I like did the math. When you think of it that way, I'm sure you could understand why I've needed to pull back a little and take a break from it most of this year. Many of you have been along for the ride as I basically just answered the call yes to start sharing from my life and what it looks like for us to meet with God in the mundane. And it's been so sweet to travel around and get to talk to many of you and hear, often through tears from both me and the person talking to me, of what this podcast has meant to others. I had no idea how God was going to use it in such a sweet way when I signed up for this. And I'm so grateful that God knew that this podcast would also be a source of accountability in my own life in many ways, to stay in His Word and to seek His very personal presence in my life, and then just share it with you as a way of encouraging you right where you are. But back to that moment on the porch, as I sat there after having this moment of gratitude for what has been on this podcast— I kind of started, you know, shuffling my papers and writing some notes down until there it was again. Just this deep sense of peace, so much that I just stopped and closed my eyes because this time I knew it was the Lord. And this isn't necessarily an everyday occurrence for me, just so you know. I mean, I'm in the habit of seeking the Lord most every day, but it doesn't always happen like this. Or maybe it does, and I'm just not as aware of it as I was in this particular morning, but it was so very clear to me that He showed up on the porch, a place where I definitely have encountered Him before. And as I'm thinking on it more now, that sense of gratitude that welled up in me about where I've been, that in and of itself was Him. I'm convinced that He's the one who wanted me to think back before I moved forward to acknowledge where we've all been together these last six years, over a million words of me telling you about His faithfulness in my life and encouraging you about His faithfulness in yours. So when I look at it that way, it's just really precious to me (laughs) that He would show up like He did, as if He wanted me to take the time to mark the moment and celebrate it. How far we've come together just felt very special and significant to me. Then as I continued to just sit there really still, I kind of expected him to, you know, give me clear direction on where I was supposed to start, you know, to maybe have this big epiphany on how this is all supposed to unfold. But instead, there was just that continued peace and contentment until, for lack of better words, it just felt like his heart and his love for me just lowered down on my porch and surrounded me. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was him. 
Again, this doesn't happen to me every day, but it has been a bit of a theme throughout my life, I will say. When I'm maybe looking for some concrete direction or even just what I'm supposed to do, sometimes he does give me really concrete wisdom on what I should do, but other times he simply shows up and makes his nearness known to me that he's with me. And it seems that when I recognize that it's him, he'll then make me keenly aware of his love for me. It reminds me of Psalm 103, 17. It says, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. As I sat there grateful this time that he was taking the time to remind me of his love over me, I just stopped and had a big cry over it. (laughs) Then as my fingers started typing the words that I'm actually now reading to you, I was at the same time just having this realization that, of course, this was the perfect place to start, the glorious and the mundane. The glorious and the mundane is not only possible for us, but I'm starting to believe actually now more than ever that it's absolutely His plan for our lives day to day that we really can experience His presence in our daily lives And it's always a wonderful place to start. Some of you might be really weirded out by this, but I hope, of course, that you'll hang with me. (laughs) I can't help but think about you right now and just wonder where you are in terms of your heart and what all you're going through, all that you feel like you're having to hold together. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, Christy, I've experienced his presence before like that, but it's been a really long time since I've heard his voice, or I've sensed his love over me like that. Maybe you've been in what feels like a wilderness season where you've just haven't sensed his nearness at all. I'm so glad that you're listening today because I can so relate to that more than you'd even believe. And he has such deep purpose and even provision in our wilderness seasons, and he will deliver you out of it. He is with you even when you don't sense his nearness. And I assure you, you will sense his nearness again. There might be some of you who are like, Christy, I've never experienced anything like that. Well, I'm so glad you're listening today because I believe that God wants to invite you to experience more of who he is, for you to really know him, his attributes, his character, his heart, and to begin to notice that he is with you. He is pursuing you. You might remember back in our Abide series in June how I mentioned Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus that comes out of John chapter 3. This is when Jesus says that in order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again, born of water and the Spirit. He goes on to say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Again, Jesus is making a clear distinction between the natural life birth and the spiritual life birth. Before someone becomes born of the Spirit, they don't long for or welcome the life God has for them. They are not alive to those things. But when we become born again, we become born of the Spirit. In other words, alive in our spirit and therefore alive to God. Whereas Andrew Murray says, our whole life and every moment of it might be spent and where the work of our daily life might be done as we enjoy unbroken communion with God. But I also think back on many years of my adult life, that while I was a believer and I loved the Lord and I wanted to make Him known, 
I didn't know how to know him. I didn't know yet how to spend time with him or seek him or look to him in all things or even wonder and even ask him what he thinks of my day. I didn't understand that I could ask him for his supernatural life and strength to fill me and live through me each day. This is something that I feel like he's called me to and helped me understand over the last probably 15 years of my life. Just the other day, I had the task before me of cleaning most of our home on my own. I do have a lady who helps me with our house, our dear Melissa, who has become a friend and has cleaned for us pretty much every two weeks for the past six years. But she went on vacation this month, and it fell on one of my weeks, so that means a month without our dear Melissa. (laughs) And on top of that, I needed to finally clean my closet that looked like a tiny tornado had blown through it, plus several cluttered corners of the house where stuff had literally just piled up that I didn't even know what to do with. And I also needed to work on the podcast as well as this album we're working on, plus prepare for a four-day trip that included packing for an out-of-town photo shoot for the upcoming record, a photo shoot that was actually a wonderful adventure in and of itself that I'll tell you about later. But I needed supernatural strength to work from 8 a.m. until like 8 p.m. that night and also add in like somehow making dinner. (laughs) I sat still with the Lord that morning after reading His Word and and taking what was true. And I just laid down my life and my agenda once more, even just consecrating to Him all that I needed to get done that day. And at the end of my time with Him, I asked Him for the strength to be able to accomplish what I needed to accomplish that day. Like, I need your supernatural strength, Lord. And you know what? He gave it. I really did feel almost a supernatural rising in me to get up and get what I needed to get done. And I even had a sense of peace and joy in the work. I really did. I noticed it all throughout the day. I contrast that with the week before when Monday morning rolled around. And instead of taking the time to sit and seek the Lord that morning to lay out my day before Him and ask Him for His help, I jumped into several things that I needed to get done that morning, which led me to go through my calendar. And I looked at the weeks ahead. And by the time Nathan got home from running Annie to school, I was like a stressed out mess, (laughs) completely panicking about the days and the weeks ahead. All that to say, This is where we're going to start for the weeks and months ahead to keep coming around what it looks like to cultivate this unbroken communion with the Lord throughout our day and to stay awake to the truth that it is possible to experience His presence, His life, His strength, His love in our everyday lives. Psalm 105.4 pretty much sums it up. It says, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. As for the music that's been stirring, we're releasing an EP of two songs next Friday, October 21st. And as promised, you'll hear both of the songs right here on the podcast before the rest of the world gets access to them. I honestly love both of these songs so much that I even went back and forth on trying to decide which one to share with you first. You know, I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to the order of things, and I love for everything to have its place and purpose. Not to mention, there's just this storytelling aspect of songwriting and releasing music that is just so compelling to me. With that said, the song that I'm going to share with you today is called Come Magnify, and the song that I'll play for you next week is called Home.
Come Magnify started out as a little chorus that I wrote a few years ago during my own personal worship time with the Lord. I was just at the piano, and this little chorus just stuck with me, and I kept coming back to it over and over. In fact, you might remember that I did a podcast series called Come Magnify the Lord with me a few years ago, and that was actually right around that time that this chorus was stirring in me. Come magnify the Lord with me comes from Psalm 34, and the idea behind that phrase in the original language is just, come bless the Lord along with me. Isn't that beautiful? Psalm 34 verses 1 through 5 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Verse 5 is one of my favorites. In fact, I wrote about it in my book, The Life You Long For, Learning to Live from a Heart of Rest. In fact, I'm going to read you just a little excerpt of the book and what it means for us to get to look to God today and how it can even become a beautiful and transformational habit in our daily lives, one that helps you feel seen like a daughter is supposed to feel seen, and one that helps you remember that you have help, a father who is ready to show himself strong to you. I wrote this, Psalm 34, 5 promises us, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Remember, beloved, you can never go wrong in looking to the Lord. You will meet eyes with your Creator who loves you and knows his own strength and stands ready to show it on your behalf. A.W. Tozer, in The Pursuit of God, spent an entire chapter on what he called the gaze of the soul and gave us several biblical references into the fact that looking on God and believing are synonymous terms. He concluded that faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. He went on to say, Now if faith is the gaze of the heart at God, and if this gaze is but the raising of the inward eyes to meet the all-seeing eyes of God, then it follows that it is one of the easiest things possible to do. It would be like God to make the most vital thing easy and place it within the range of possibility for the weakest and poorest of us. Just breathe that in for a minute. If you need to go and lie face down on the carpet for a minute, You have permission. You know whom this makes me hopeful for? You and me and everyone. I so love that the instructions God considers most valuable and vital for us to walk in with Him work in every economy and in every season of our lives. Think about it. If life boils down to us hustling and building and achieving all our dreams, how is that inclusive of everyone in every season and in every economy? How does that include the beloved today in parts of the world where they have to chug filthy water and fight to feed their children? Not to get off topic, but seriously, let's think beyond the American dream. We belong to a much bigger story. That story includes the multitude of the beloved from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages that we will find ourselves shoulder to shoulder with around God's throne one day. I find it incredibly beautiful and encouraging that God made it so that anyone who puts their trust in Him now bears the highest calling in life, to be the beloved child of God. And what's most vital to this calling, to keep looking to God, 
anyone can do. Even in terms of a spiritual economy, think about the weak and poor in spirit among us, for those who are fighting through unimaginable brokenness and pain in their stories, who have had trouble rising to just do the basics today. God has made the most vital thing effortless, to lift the eyes of our weary souls to this God who never grows faint or weary, to lift our heads from our brick-making and remember that we are the ones being built, to stop pretending that we don't struggle and instead gaze up at the one who struggled on our behalf once and for all. Whether it's before my feet hit the floor in the morning or even when I need to recenter my heart in the bullseye after a morning sprint to the outer ring, directing the eyes of my heart toward God propels me toward the life and peace that I'm longing for. Most often, when we willfully choose to direct our eyes toward God, our hearts will follow. In this new song, Come Magnify, I included this looking to God theme in the chorus. It simply says, come magnify the Lord with me. Come magnify the Lord with me and lift our faces up to majesty. Come magnify the Lord with me. This song in particular is one that you might call a call to worship. If you're a worship leader, you know what I mean by a call to worship song. If you're creating a set list of worship songs to lead your people in, this is a great first or second song on that list because it's simply an invitation to the gathered people of God in front of you to come together and rightly see who God is as we're shoulder to shoulder together, which is important, and to bless Him together. And to bless God together simply means to just speak a good word over Him, to tell of His faithfulness, His mercy, and His goodness. And just like prayer should begin with adoration, worship should begin with adoration and praise for who God is, to just think upon His greatness, to look on Him and His many attributes. There are plenty of worship songs where we sing about how He is met us in our troubles, or where we're singing out from our great need for Him. But a call to worship is a call for us to just look up together. More on that in a little bit, but I just wanted to share a little bit about how this song came about. As I said before, I just had this little chorus that I love to sing at the piano by myself, and I'd started writing the verses. But it was then when I kind of felt like I wanted to invite another songwriter into this process with me. And yes, that's usually Nathan in this case, but I mean an even additional writer for them to help Nathan and I come around this. And part of it was also just to come around the discipline of co-writing with others. And we have so many wonderful songwriters in Nashville, as you can imagine. In fact, most of your favorite worship leaders and songwriters literally probably live within 20 minutes of us. Side note, and not to go into a whole spiel here, but co-writing is actually very challenging for me. Not with Nathan. That has always kind of been a thing, and you know we don't really know anything different, and it's wonderful. But when I get with other people, I'm realizing more and more that it's just songwriting is so deeply personal to me, so co-writing just feels tricky. And I really have to open up for it to work. And I also might need to like take a walk and get alone in the middle of it (laughs) for it to work somehow. 
And so it just helps when you've just lived a bit of life with the people that you're riding with or when you at least have some history with them. And this is also just a bunny trail, y'all, so just bear with me. But something recently that has just been really fascinating to me, I've learned that there's actually different or specific styles and personalities in songwriting. And consequently, it's important that you get paired with the right people, the right songwriting personalities, if you will. In fact, I've become friends with a dear woman here in Nashville named Chrissy, and she actually created a songwriting personality test, and I took it. I'll tell you more about the results of mine in a second, but I initially reached out to Chrissy because I have a dear friend who has just flourished under her leadership over the last seven years, and you know, that's something to perk up about, isn't it? When you have a friend who is like blossoming under the leadership of another human, you're like, okay, who are you, and tell me about your heart, (laughs) but Chrissy is actually a Grammy-nominated Christian music songwriter. She's written so many songs that you probably know and love as well. Her local ministry here is called Brave Worship. It's a group of women worship leaders and writers, and you can actually find Brave Worship on Spotify and Apple Music. But the friend I was telling you about that has been really blossoming as a songwriter and a leader is my friend Emily. You might remember me reading a letter that Emily wrote years back in 2010 about God fulfilling her dream. And actually, one of her most treasured verses, which is Psalm 67, 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. But the whole letter was about how God had fulfilled it, like God often does, but in a completely different way than she ever thought He would. And it was even more beautiful and real and raw and mundane than she ever thought it would be. Okay, so maybe leading worship for some beautiful African women and children under a tree in Sudan is maybe not so mundane, (laughs) but it was definitely significant how God showed up in that moment when she least expected it to show her that He was fulfilling something big and beautiful in her in that moment. Here's just a snippet of that letter to remind you of what she said about it. I was feeling silly and sheepish and almost kind of giggly as I did my best to sing confidently in a tribal language. Honestly, I felt pretty awkward. Then out of nowhere, it hit me, and then it was everything I could do to not start crying my eyes out. You see, one of my most treasured verses is, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. This verse has been set in the deepest part of my heart, and I've known for years that I'm called to be a part of this, but had placed it in the future as something that would happen someday. When I envisioned it, I think I imagined it always looking like the way that we lead worship in America and Western parts of the world. But it hit me right in that moment that I was doing it. Right then and there, under the shade of the tree, I realized it's happening now. Be here for it. As if to put a stamp on the package that had been delivered to me that day, I stepped back and soaked it in as the women danced in a circle, lifting their hands and voices under the African sun. I glanced down beside me at a little boy named Peter, who was in the tattered shorts and t-shirt that I had come to know him by over the few days that we had been there. I will never forget the warm lighting on his face and the sound of his voice quietly singing the song, but mostly I will never forget the way that his dirty little feet danced up and down to the rhythm of God's praise. As his feet hit the earth, dust rising and falling, and as the sun shone on his face, these words came into my mind and heart. Emily, this is what I require of you. This is the purity of heart that I have called you to in worship. And so it was that one unexpected afternoon 
that I was stamped with an image and a calling that I will never forget. There was nothing glamorous about it, nothing cool about it, but it was God's praise being lifted high in the nations, and I got to be there. Wow, (laughs) we could probably just end today's podcast there, and we would all be encouraged. It makes me wonder about this very week, you know, how many moments that God might have for each of us where we're able to stop and say, it's happening now. Be here for it. I told you I took Chrissy's songwriting personality test. She shares that after over a thousand co-writes, she's discovered seven different strengths. And I took the test, and while I definitely relate and identify with a few others, my result every time was that my songwriting personality type is called hearing and prophetic. Her description is this, these writers don't necessarily focus on either lyric or melody. They focus on listening. They love truth. They feel responsible for delivering an accurate message. They are less concerned about following rules than following the Spirit and are always willing to write something completely different or new. This was very encouraging and validating to me. As Sometimes I'll admit, I'm in a room with writers and we're powering through a song and I feel like I need to go take a walk by a stream (laughs) and ask the Lord, what do you want to say in this song? Like, what do you have for us here? This is not to make myself try to appear more holy or spiritual than the other writers. It's just my strength. When I come to the table, I do marvel at other writers in the room who can actually write powerful songs on the fly because their strengths are just different than mine. And you know what? I'm learning to be okay and to own my voice in it. I actually have learned, and Chrissy's book is called Writing Worship, and she pointed this out, that I need to be paired up with certain kinds of writers. One of the things that hearing and prophetic writers need to be actually mindful of and kind of watch out for is that we often will write complicated or maybe intricate melodies and sometimes really deep storylines. I'm even thinking of Wrap This One Up and Amaryllis as some good examples of this in my own life. But when it comes to writing songs for the church, meaning songs that we'd love for people to be able to sing corporately, my songwriting personality, we have to be mindful that our melodies and lyrics are actually easy and palatable for people to sing, especially people who don't sing for a living. (laughs) All in all, it's just something that has encouraged me because I tend to feel like an oddball out when I can't just quickly move through writing a song and that there is a place for my particular strength. It's just that sometimes I need some other strengths around me too in a big way. It reminds me a lot of one of my favorite songwriting sessions ever. I think I've told you before, or maybe I haven't, that I was a part of writing the song, Lord, I Need You, around a farm table with a group of friends. We had gathered for a few days to write songs for the upcoming Passion Conference, and we started the day in prayer on our knees, honestly, our faces, asking God to pour out songs for the church. We shared meals together that day, and many anthems that you probably know very well were written in those few days. But I'll never forget, the sun had gone down, and there's something really special about nighttime, isn't there? Nathan always just talks about how it feels like a veil almost lifts at night, where you're just able to open up, and maybe your walls come down a bit. As we sat around the farm table together that night, I remember contributing all throughout the song, but I'll never forget when we got to the part where we began to share ideas for the bridge of the song, and I sang out, teach my song to rise to you. And my friend Matt Marr was sitting next to me, and he looked over at me, 
And what I love about Matt is that as a songwriter, he will try on your idea like a jacket. Like he'll sing it out so loud so we can all see how it feels in the song. And that's what he did in that moment. He just belted out, teach my song to rise to you in that deep baritone voice of his. And I basically turned into that little emoji that has like big eyes that are kind of close together with tears pooling in them. (laughs) And then together around the table, everyone began to contribute too until we landed on teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. That's a beautiful picture of a songwriting session. And I'll tell you that maybe like 10% of them really go like that way. (laughs) But I've learned to own my voice as a writer and even who I'm not as a writer. And I'll be honest that had I written Lord, I Need You by myself, I highly doubt it would be the sung song that it is. I think it worked because of the strings that were gathered around that table together. And I do think that the Lord showed up in a really sweet way during that ride. I'll never forget it. There's something really special that I believe that God reserves for His people when we are shoulder to shoulder like that. Or maybe like on a Sunday morning when we're shoulder to shoulder. In fact, that's how Come Magnify eventually was completed. I ended up calling our friend Jason Ingram to ride on it with Nathan and I. We've been friends with Jason for a lot of years. In fact, we were artists in residence together at Fellowship Bible Church here in Nashville, and Jason was a part of those songwriting days for Passion for many years. And talk about your favorites. I mean, if you look up some of your most cherished worship songs and worship albums, Jason probably wrote on them and produced them. And there are a couple of my own songs that Nathan and I have written with Jason that you might remember, one called My Anchor, as well as a song called In Every Way. Those are both memorable co-writing moments between us and Jason. We always spend at least an hour catching up with Jason, and we always talk about the state of the world and the state of the church. And I love that the response to those conversations is to sing what's true. And that has been the case with each of these songs as we've written with Jason through the years. I've been listening and even singing come magnify more and more over the last few weeks, and I've realized that there's something a bit shoulder to shoulder about this song as well. In fact, once you hear it, you'll realize that it's a song that we sing together, or at least it makes you mindful of the importance of singing alongside God's people. And we can learn from Emily here (laughs) that that can look like you in your minivan with your kids. It's a simple song to learn and sing. And I hope you'll crank it up in your car and you'll sing it together as a family. But even if it's just you and me and your commute to work, you and me can sing it. We can join each other in blessing the Lord. All in all, I'll say this. One of the biggest aspects of the world as we know it that I find myself grieving the most is how we are in the regular habit of looking at and to each other in these days. Even as believers, we tend to look to each other for information, for input, for inspiration, even validation. Sometimes I think we even look to social media for a quick spiritual fix. But the problem with that is that we often find ourselves eye to eye with someone's personal rant or rage. We catch them mid-process in their search for life and purpose and significance. And it's here that we often find a different gospel being preached than the gospel of Jesus Christ. We read the comments and we see all the fist bumps and all the likes and how these things are often celebrated in culture. And it's unsettling, to say the least, 
and can even leave us disoriented and confused. When we look only to each other, we're going to disappoint each other every time. Our own love and goodness has a short shelf life. As I talk about in my book, to truly see each other in the way God intended, we must start by looking to Him first. The one whose love and goodness has no end. Looking to God isn't just an excuse to not address our differences and conflicts. I've actually seen people post that argument as if to say, keep God out of this. But looking to God together is actually the only way to address our differences. At least it's the only way that actually works and lasts. To find ourselves in the shadow of the cross of Jesus together. To magnify together the fullness of his love and his truth, as if to say, come look up with me, not to the left or to the right, but look up with me to something bigger than you and me, someone who is holding this world in his hands, the one who is not only worthy of our song today, but worthy of our lives. I think about how beautiful this is, even in marriage, the invitation to look up together to the perfect love of our Father that we might love each other from Him. To even teach our kids that, yes, mom and dad sure love you, but over and over to teach them to look up towards the one whose everlasting love is with us, who holds us, and even shows up on the front porch to remind us if we'll just get still enough to notice. I hope you enjoy listening and learning and singing this song Something sweet to listen for is our beautiful Annie Rose. Some of you might remember me posting a picture of her singing in the studio in her pajamas one night while Nathan was producing her vocal. Well, that was for this song, and you'll hear her gorgeous voice come in on the second verse, as well as her singing this beautiful descant part towards the end of the song. Our son Noah has also worked on this song, playing several instruments, and our sweet Eliana is helping with the art direction, with the images for the songs and the full album coming later. And of course, Nathan produced this. We wrote it together. So as you can imagine, it's just really precious to me to have my family involved. Until next time, enjoy, come magnify friends, and I will talk to you soon.
isn't here. 